0: I forget when you said it, but it's always stuck with me. Making sure that you look at the data and winners make sure that they're always tracking something. And, you know, if it's not working, they go back in and fix it. What are some key metrics that you focus on yourself?
1: Hello, happy Friday and welcome to the Winners Find A Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark, and I'm super fired up to talk with you today. I am the CEO of Leadershipity athletic influencer marketing, and I am a serial entrepreneur, and most people know me because I spent 13 years and coached in three World Series in Major League Baseball, and I have got my special guest, Rich Shupik, president of Design Financial Group, but as cool as a guest, Rich would be. We got a little specialty today for everybody. We're going to go a little different today, and my man Rich Shupik is going over to the host role today, and I get to be a guest on my own show, so I'm pretty excited about this. Rich, how you feeling?
0: I'm feeling great. I think it's a it's about time.
1: All right, well, let's boom, and you're just like that. You're in the host seat, my man. So why don't you just take it away? I'm going to try to get my EO on here, my little work hard, dream big, going here.
0: All right. And try to deliver a high quality show for you, Rich. All right. Well, good. Well, Coach. So. You've got Winners Find a Way. You've met a lot of individuals. You've made it so people get a lot of information. You've probably grown yourself. So now let's find out a little bit about what's going on in your mind. All right? Yeah, I love this. If you
1: don't mind... we could scare the snot out of people, Rich, on what's it. going on
0: in my mind, right? Well, let's keep it on the business side now. <laughs> okay, good. All right, good. All right, good call. That's good. So, That's a good so start. You, in your career, I mean, you've had a lot of different things that have happened, events that have happened. You and I've you know, talked a lot about those. So I want you to think back, go back a little bit, and tell us about the most impactful pivot point for you, where you at least knew that you had to make a change or that you were destined for leadership and how you made that change.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things that really happened along my life that just had to pivot. I mean, started early from the time in junior high where I broke my leg and thought, man, I was going to be an NFL football player, and then I broke my leg playing football and thought, hey, maybe I'd be a better baseball player. <laughs> you know, so there's these little things like, where am I going to put my time and effort and training into? And then, you know, I think one of the big ones was as as an athlete playing two sports at a Division one school. I had gone through a few injuries, and you know, I got that you know, you're going to make a good coach conversation. And that was a job transition going on there. I, I thought I was going to be a player and play forever. And my dream was always to play in the major leagues. So that was a real step back. And I'll tell you a lot of people would have probably looked into that moment and thought, this is awful. Like, man, your dreams dying and all those things. And you know, I was so tired of being beat up at the time rich that I could still see the goal at the end of the rainbow. You know, I I knew there was still a yeah. lot of gold there, but I was it was it felt like it was getting further and further away and I was literally spending probably between 4 to 6 hours in the training room just to play where when I got done playing I couldn't wash my hair. I'd wash my hair with one hand because I couldn't lift my throwing arm up above my head after playing. It just hurt that bad. And and then you just get up and do it again and again, and you don't sleep well at night. Cause if you turn over on your arm in the middle of the night, like it lights you up like a Christmas tree and you're like, Oh my goodness. Like, and, and all of a sudden I can't go back to sleep because I didn't get a hit yesterday and I'm trying to stay here and, You know, so it was a lot of of pressure and stress and I felt like, man, maybe it's just not for me. And the blessing in the deal was I had a degree, I could see myself coaching and I knew that I had a good mentor in strength and conditioning and he trained me up and I felt like, man, I've got an avenue that I could go and I quickly applied to about seven or eight teams And I had two job offers within 90 days. Nice. Yeah. So it was, uh, I leaned back on those skills of coaching and educating. And now everyone had been spending a lot of time educating me, but as a college athlete, my part-time job was teaching tennis. And so I would go in the summers and teach at the country clubs and the yacht clubs. And I would teach high level juniors how to be competing at that top level like I had just done a few years before. And so I had these skill sets that I thought, hey, I like teaching. I have a teaching degree. I understand health and science. I've maximized what I can do with my body. And I think it's over. My body's kind of spent. And so it was while it was hard to take to be done. And I thought, man, I'm just going to miss the competition side. I didn't miss all the medicine, the training, the treatments. It was, it was intense okay that I was done. Yeah.
0: Well, so even at that point, a lot of the things you talk about are making sure you have a mentor and how those, a lot of your guests have always shown how their mentors have really helped change them. And it sounds like you had a pivotal point where a mentor really probably helped you and assisted you in that, that aspect. Uh, oh yeah. Do you I still mean, talk to them?
1: Oh yeah. yeah. like yeah, like I, I have had these people in my life. I've been so blessed in this rich that people have always come alongside and and they've helped me and they've given me time, effort, and I'm so thankful. Which is probably and you know me is is why I do it for a bunch of people because I'm just paying it forward, man. Somebody did this for me, and it's what I owe to other people that helped me get to where I want to go. And so you know, I think the other big thing about mentoring is that, you know, when I tell people about mentoring, I say, pick the five greatest people that you know in the world that you think could help you. And they're like, oh man, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's crazy. He'll never take my call. And I'm like, oh, he might. Like when you have people that are such a, at that highest elite level and Rich, you've accomplished a lot, you know, a ton about wealth management that just most people don't know. And man, how many people, I mean, it's crazy how much knowledge you have. How many people Have you ever had go, hey, Rich, I really don't really truly understand this. Do you think you could help me get to a level that you had over the next four to five years? I mean, how many times has that question come to you? Even though you've created millions for all these people, how many times you've been asked that? None. People don't know that the people at the rare air at the highest level. People don't ask them, and when you get of age, and I'm going to call myself
0: of age. I don't think you're as <laughs> old as I am yet. You know, you're not an old guy yet. But like uh, when you, get I don't know, my, my beard's given a, you know, probably giving it away.
1: You do, you do get old, distinguished gray. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So when you get to that level, I mean, you're like, I am filled with a bunch of information, and man, there is nothing you would enjoy more than. Transposing that information onto a hungry 30 year old who's like, I'm ready to set this world on fire and create some value, like you did. And you're like, Hey, I can help you do this. Like, and by the way, I could tell you where all the landmines are because <laughs> right. I stepped in most of them, you know, like, and you know, my wife's tired of hearing my stories and everything else. man, my mentees sit on the edge of the seat and they're ready to take action. And yeah. it's a real dynamic relationship that I have a lot of honor and respect for from both seats, from both the mentee and the mentor seat. And so, man, if, if Schwarzenegger's on your list, if Gwyneth Paltrow's on your list, if Rich Hupik's on your list, give him a call because you know what? I don't think you're going to get to number five. One of your super four are going to say yes.
0: Yeah. And I think the same thing for for you. I mean, NIL has just blown up. I mean, I've sent yeah. you a couple articles. Yeah, you know, it was it was all new and all that. And now it just seems like it's blowing up. And you know, you are on the basically the very edge of that. I mean, the aspect of you being able to be mentor to someone along that way, high school athlete, something like that. I mean, so if their if one of their parents is watching this show, or if they're watching this show, you know, would you take their call?
1: Oh. Of course like I mean this is this is what I want to be seen as to others right I want to be that trusted advisor you, you and you and I are very similar in this right like you're being trusted with my life savings right it's like this is my wealth management we're designing through design financial group we are designing my retirement, how that's going to look, what do I want from this? And we go, Hey, here's my big goal at the end. And then you go, great. I got it. Here's the milestones we need to meet along the way. And I I don't know what the milestones are, but this is your expertise and you show us how to do that. So this NIL thing has just led me to the, my biggest passions, right? Athletics and entrepreneurship. So here's this young High school athlete and parents, you're come alongside these kids. This is an opportunity for a kid to get so many skills at university. Your young son or daughter is going to go to school and learn the things that Rich and I took 30 years to learn customer service, sales, marketing, brand management, deal making, you know, money, taxes. And you get this little crash course over this, maybe. 10 to $25,000 annual business and you own your own LLC. And then your son or daughter is going to come out of university with some extensive training in a field that they really want to understand, whatever that is, nursing, accounting, wealth management, fitness and wealth, health management, whatever. But they're going to come to guys like Rich and I, and they're going to be like, hey, I'd really like an opportunity. Let me show you what I've done. I've studied right. nursing, but I've also run a LLC worth $25,000 a year while I played volleyball at Nebraska and I balanced my time management. And I was all conference while I got a 3.7 and I had four deals. And here's three chief marketing officers of three different companies that would be happy to speak on my behalf and tell you yep. that I'm a pretty quality person and I'm like hired. <laughs> 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 Uh, Diane, you can tell all the other resumes
0: they can uh, they go They home. can go home, They just go yep. to this
1: young lady, and she's just set my world on fire, and I don't need to look anywhere else.
0: Yeah. So talking about that, I mean, being in the, the field and being, you know, at the front edge of that, let's talk about some of the difficulties along the way. You know, when you were you, – you've had some experiences. We've talked about them. Tell me about the time that you felt like you were against it, you were losing and you had to find a way to, you know – fight back and come back and really put down any doubt and which comes to the you know yeah cusp of the show right Winners I mean, find yeah, a way. Man, listen, so tell us.
1: Yeah. I mean, starts my whole <laughs> life, right? Like, I mean, I felt like I've always been pushing the rock uphill. I mean, part of this, Rich, is you and I are close friends and you know what I look like. And a lot of people out there in podcast land don't. I am five, 175 pounds. I mean, I played at probably 170 to 180, pretty diesel, you know, 5% body fat, blah, blah, and doing everything possible to compete with people that were often a lot bigger, faster, stronger than I was. So, you know, at a very young age, I was this, you know, and a distinct story was me at the end of my seventh grade year writing the, this program we had for school. Tell us what your life is going to be like when you're 30 years old. And I thought, this is funny. Because when I'm 30 years old, like I am in junior high, man. I am 12 years old. I'm in my favorite English teacher's class. He's really good. He's probably calling it in before spring break, right? Like, you know, It like, <laughs> is going to be a little writing exercise for you. And what you see for yourself. So first time ever doing vision work. First time ever setting a goal, even though he's not using those words, right? Right. And he asks five distinct questions. And man, I think I took the assignment seriously because... I wanted to do some things in my life and I was really driven for those things. And I was also the youngest of four. So I was sitting there going, Hey, my, my oldest brother was a hockey player and he was trying to get on Michigan state's hockey team, which was highly touted top five program in the country. And then my next brother was an all state tailback running for nine and a half yards a carry. He was, you know, going to the state finals and, you know, heavily recruited, and that was kind of neat seeing college coaches come to my house and yeah, you know, letting them know like, hey, your defense kind of sucks, and they're like, hey, beat it, kid. You're 12, <laughs> all right? And I was like, I want to talk to your brother. I really don't want to <laughs> talk to you. And then my sister w- had just been named Miss Michigan Teen, and wow. uh, you know, I was like, man, I'm way better than my brother and his sisters. I'm going to play in the major leagues, right? Of course. Right. So you know, now fast forward, I, you know, I earning my assignment and off I go, right? And now fast forward about two, three years later, it's after my freshman year in high school. And we have a local showcase. Before there was all this showcase and all this stuff, right? It's a showcase, invite only for the top players in about the local eight counties, and it's run by a former major league player. And so, first of all, you got to get an invite. So yep. I get the Willy Wonka golden ticket invite, and I'm like, yeah, right. I'm in, man. <laughs> you know, like I'm pretty good, and like they they recognize it, right? And uh, and I was playing for a very good team, and a lot of my teammates also got invited. And so I read the ticket and it's like, Hey, if you are named the MVP of the week, you have a one-on-one sit down with the former major leaguer and director of the showcase. And I was like, Oh, That's me. I got to find a way. How do I do this? Like, I don't know how to get to the major leagues. I don't know anybody in the major leagues, so I got to get this. So man, go to work, right? Like hitting, running, sprinting, lifting. I'm doing, I'm doing everything. I'm tapping my college. What what are you guys doing at college, man? I got to train like that. You know, like I'm asking everything I can do and you and I both know, like, what happens when preparation and opportunity meet. And sure enough, I, I had a fabulous week, and uh, it was super awesome. And there were some really good players there. You know, obviously, we're I'm from an area where Derek Jeter's from, so you know, I like to, yeah. You know, I don't know if you know or not. You know, I was the MVP of the camp. You know, <laughs> yeah. So you know, I don't I don't tell people that Derek was three years younger than I was, but you know, like, that's right. <laughs> so when I sat down with him, you know, this was that moment where probably. I kind of just got in and and he said, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I I want to do what you did. I want to play in the major leagues. And he said, you know, he kind of gave me this, all right, well, I think you can do that. And I was like, Whoa, what? <laughs> I like, right. Oh, really? I was expecting to hear no, like everybody else has told me. And then, you know, stupid kid, you know, brain, right? Like I, I didn't even think about it probably in the moment. Cause it, but it probably didn't sound very respectful, but I did say, you know, but I did use the term, Hey, with all due respect. So I guess that gave me the pass, right? You know, Hey, with all due respect, I, I don't think you know shit. No, with all due respect, I said, everybody else is telling me no. And he was like, Oh, all right. he goes, Hey, let me ask you a question. I go, great. Shoot. And he goes, hey, these people are telling you, no, who are these people? I go, yeah. my freshman coach, my gym teacher, my mom, <laughs> my employer. <laughs> you know, like, and he's like, oh, all right. You know, any of them play in the major leagues? Ooh. And I was like, no, 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 none, none of them did. Why? And he's like, well, let me give you a little piece of advice, Trent. I strongly caution you take advice, you taking advice from someone who hasn't done what you want to do. Right. So- what do they know about it? I've been there. I know what it takes. And I'm telling you that you have what it takes. And I was like, yes, sir. I'm a believer, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, here's, this, here's this moment in my life. And everyone, you know, when they've told me no, my the rest of my life, from that moment on, Rich, and you and I have built businesses, right? Multi-million dollar businesses. And people tell you no. Oh, that's not going to work. Oh, yeah, that's not going to work. You're not yeah. going to be able to get that. And, like, and you're like, oh, really? Because do you know? Have you done it? Like- Oh no, but I did stay at Holiday Inn Express last night. Yeah, like beat it, man. Like, you know, like I'm not. (laughs) Then make a commercial. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm listening to your advice, and it's not disrespectful. It's just that, hey, thanks, thanks for your opinion. But that's in one ear, out the other, and and I think that's one thing about the entrepreneur organization I've learned is like, man, when you're around people who have actually done it, man, edge of your seat, you perk up and listen, take your notes because this is time to be around people that have been out there and and they're on it. So, you know, I think that was the one thing that when people tell you, no, you know, you don't have to let those naysayers in. Like, I, and I think in a both positive and negative way, I let that in as, as a very positive driver for me, big chip on my shoulder. Like, you know what, I'll show you, I'm going to do it, man. Like, <laughs> and I think that worked in a lot of ways, but I also think it was probably negative in some way. When I started showing people, I thought like, you know, I showed them, I showed them. And, you know, I think there was some negative connotation, probably some lack of humility around that. I didn't go back and make a list and say, Hey, you told me no. And I just wanted to make sure, (laughs) you know, you know, I didn't do that. I wasn't that guy, but it certainly felt like redemption and it was a big deal. And so- we know how vision and goal work. I think this is really important, you know, as a as a 12 year old sitting in class and, you know, the, the song of the day being Prince's party, like it's 1999, right? I mean, I was like, I'm going to turn 30 on December 31st, 1999, right? That was my assignment. What are these questions? And I'm like, you know, Prince, 2000, zero, zero, you know, like, I'm, yeah, like that is, <laughs> so far away? Like, are you crazy? I'm 12. And I'm answering these questions. And now like fast forward, like in 1999, I went home to see my parents and for Christmas, for the holidays. And my mother says, Hey, a letter came for you from the school. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's gotta be a request for alumni. Hey, you've done really well. Why don't you send us some cash? right?" And And she's like, no, no, no. It's from the grade school. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And so Mr. Midcalf, my instructor has my assignment on this little, you know, no way. Sheet paper on this little notebook paper that you rip out of, you know, your, yeah. your, your spiral it's still got the edges on it, you know? And it's, and he says one thing on the thing. He says, how'd you do, how'd you do? And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm telling my wife, I was like, I totally remember this assignment. I just thought amazing. about it? Yeah. 18 years, had not thought about it. And I pull this thing out and I'm like, man. You know, this is crazy. First question, what are you going to do immediately after high school? I said, yeah, I'll be playing baseball at Arizona State University. Barry Bonds was pretty good there when I was in high school. And I was like, yeah, they're really good. And like, they're probably going to be recruiting me. They never called. So I played at the University of Toledo. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> hey. Yeah, that's how that went. All right. Number two, you know, what will your job be? And I said, yeah, I'll be playing in the major leagues and at 30 years old. And uh, I was not. I was coaching for the Los Angeles Angels. And so I was coaching in, and, and I'd already coached for the Cleveland Indians in the major leagues and been to the world series twice. And I had come home from the West coast. So the third question was, where will you live? And I said, well, I'll be living in a golf and tennis community because hell with the snow, you know, like I'm (laughs) I'm done with the cold of Michigan. Right. And so I was like, man, I gotta go out and go to Arizona and I'll be living in a golf and tennis community in Arizona. And I had flown in the night before from, my golf and tennis community in Arizona. All right. the fourth question was, you know, will, what will you be married? I think it was, would you be married? And I said, yeah, I'm going to marry a blonde girl taller than me. Okay. You know, that wasn't that hard to find at five, six. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I did do that, right? Like she's yeah. a Dutch Dutch girl and she's yeah. taller than I am. And so all my boys are taller than me. They love her for that. And so they didn't get my genes. Right. So that I did do that. And then the last thing was like, what will your family be like? And I said, uh, I'd have a son and our son Noah was a year and a half old. We were bringing him home to see my parents and and spend time with his grandparents. His other grandparents were deceased and at a young age. And so he was spending that first Christmas with his, you know, Donna and Papa. And, you know, now he could remember it. Right. The first one at five yeah. and a half months. Right. Not so much. And so now it's the gifts and the running around. And man, I just thought like it was such a lesson for me, Rich, about what do you really want? What are you going for? And I, I never looked at that sheet again in my life. But, you know, when when guys like us, we were running around high school acting stupid. And I was <laughs> like, man, I, I can't eliminate myself from a college scholarship. So I'm not going to be doing something against the law. We're, right. we're not going to be stealing cars. We're not going to be smoking dope. I'm not going to be doing that stuff because I don't, I think I'm going to get one shot at this thing, man. Cause everybody else is telling me no. And I got to tell them I can do it, you know? And so that was a driver for me all the time.
0: Well, I think you kind of answered this, but I want to make sure, I mean, one of the things that you do ask a lot of your guests and I want you the opportunity to, you know, feel that, that seat right there just for a okay. moment. You know, yeah. what's one belief, value or action that you recommend to others on their journey when things get hard and when they're on the road to trying to make it so that they're in the elite class. Unlock the full potential with your business with leadershipity, our proven
1: strategies have fueled growth for countless organizations. Ready to elevate your leadership and scale your success? Book your free 15 minute consultation now Click the link in the show notes below and let's make your business soar. So the one value for me that I think is so important to people is self-belief. It's you got to go to the mirror. And you may have to do this every day, Rich. You and I have been through some dark times, right? We've seen Mm -hmm. some tough things. You may have to go to the mirror every day and look in and go, I have what it takes. I have what it takes. And you don't believe it, right? It's like, you know what? I'm going to try again tomorrow. Because (laughs) all of the things in my mind are like, oh, man, you screwed up. You lost, you know, a half a million dollars. Like you made a bad trade. Like anything that you can think of, right? We are our own worst enemy. That critic, man, you got to silence that critic. Self-belief is a big deal. And this is why five people, you know, we always talk about the five people you choose to be around. The reason you and I are close friends, richard is because every I love you, you know, one and well, thanks, is, man. when I see you, you know, I don't you lift me up, right? You, you don't, oh, you're really mucking it up. <laughs> you're, you're you're like, oh man, you're so encouraging, and you give me strength, and I get energy from you that yes. I believe in me and Rich believes in me and I need that in my life. Right. And so these are what good people do for you. And if you don't surround yourself with those folks, like it's hard, man, it's hard out there, bro. Like it is hard out there. You don't need someone to come home to and go, yeah, so you went out and screwed it up again today, huh? Like, mm, (laughs) (laughs) like, yeah, it was tough out there, man. Like, and I'm doing my best here and it's going to be better tomorrow than it was today. But. I worked hard today and I believe in myself and and I really need you to believe in me too. And if you don't have that, man, that's a hard journey.
0: It is. So you have in your world, I mean, you, you've you got a lot of talent. You've got a lot of things coming on you, you know, serial entrepreneur. What helps you stay focused and that way you can get the things done that you need to get done?
1: Yeah, I think that's a constant battle for a guy like me, right? That is very hard. And I think that the daily is so important. I think setting my day up is so important and I'm going pretty hard. I own four brands right now. And in addition to the speaking and all the other stuff and, and five kids and a grandson and a wife of 28 years. And if I don't set my day up the night before, I'll I'll give a little shout out to the Oak journal. Uh, That's a really key element that I found a lot of value in where levels my morning kind of gets me set up. But more importantly for me, I think a lot of people struggle with their morning because of the night before. And I'm guilty of this, right? You get hard travels, you get things that you don't get to bed and eventually you have to cut it off and you have to settle the body down. And what really helps me sleep is I write my Oak journal for the next day about what, My things I have to accomplish. These are the most important things to help us get to where we're going to do. And a lot of people rely on me on that. And if I don't do those things, things are not likely to go well. And so prioritization is a big deal. And, you know, I, I interviewed a good mentor of mine, Ken Manny, that strength coach early on, who was such a pivotal part of my life. When I interviewed him for my show, he talked about this day for that day. And, you know, we've all got that day that day that I retire, that day that, you know, I get the college scholarship, that day that I get my dream job, that day that we build the dream home, that day of retirement, you know, whatever that day is for you, there's a lot of this days, right? And I'm writing a book right now for Wiley Publishing and I've got to have that day done is uh, Thanksgiving, right? And so I've got about 80 this days until that day. And so everything that I do every day, I've got to be intentional about getting my work in because I can't do it in three days. So I've got to be very intentional about how I do my days and what I do this day for that day. We're either getting better or getting worse every day. You don't stay the same. So be intentional about this day because you want to get a little
0: bit better. So can you give a, a prelude to on the book that you're you're working on?
1: Yeah, we're talking about uh, Winners Find a Way and how athletes and how the the skills of athletes has transferred over to people in leadership and business ownership and creating value and impact because of the lessons of sport and how they transitioned to life. And we're going to talk about how winners find a way. Well, great. And I'm excited about it. Yeah.
0: Well, that's cool. So you've got this opportunity. You're going to take a lot of the knowledge you already have and put it down so we can read it. And well, great. Yeah. Here's a really good question for you. Okay. All right. Knowing what you know now, mm. what might you have done differently?
1: Yeah. Like uh, this is the pain exchange right here, Rich. The pain exchange is the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, right? Yeah. You get to choose. The pain exchange means that you learn that when we're disciplined, it's not comfortable, right? It's not great. It hurts still, but it's acute it doesn't last very long. The pain of regret is chronic, man. I mean, there are just times in my life that I look back and I just didn't treat people well, didn't make good choices. And it really came down to laziness. It came down to not being intentional, not focused and, you know, oh, bad moments because bad moments are fatigue. Because fatigue makes Mm -hmm. cowards of us all, right? And so we get this thing in our life. And I think the thing about regret that's dangerous to people is that people want to drown that pain in something, right? Whether it's chemicals, sex, money, work, you know, you name it. We've got more than enough like uh, things that we could go dive into. We've got plenty of things that we'd like to go to that help us try to alleviate the pain. And it does for a short period. But the time you always wake up with you. And, and the pain of regret stays in you. So, if what I know now, man, st- staying on your moral conditioning is really important because if you look at people's regrets, it's three to 10, just really bad moments in their life that were probably brought on by alcohol, by brought on by poor decisions, by bad people they chose to be around. And they knew it was the wrong people to be around at the moment, you know, and not necessarily bad people, just people making bad choices. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at that, think you got to be really intentional as a young person on where you want to go and where you want to be. And if you're not, I think there's, it, it's too easy to to get lost, to to get on the wrong road.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's a book by Napoleon Hill and it really talks about drifters. Yeah. And uh, you know, making sure that you're not drifting because that's when all that stuff starts happening. When you're not at the wheel, the car goes off, goes where it where it wants, not where you want it to go.
1: Yeah, and and that's so important, right? Like I, I have a good friend named John Bloomberg on the Speaking tour, John's a fabulous consultant and speaker. And John and I talked about this concept of catch my drift because the reason, Rich, you know me and you can level me in a minute. And the reason you can level me is because I trust you. We've built a relationship. So when I go drifting off, what's good and right for me, and all of a sudden the language doesn't match, you know, of my values and my actions seem like, hey, that's not like you. Here's here's Rich to reach out and go, hey. Let's get back on the line Trent. You're kind of drifting here <laughs> like, you know, so hey, catch my drift, man. I I need those five people around me to kind of keep me level because we don't go running away from what's right. We just drift. Yeah.
0: Well, and this is a unique opportunity for individuals I mean, for a leader like you, how do they find those five people? I mean, we've talked about this a lot. You're really a sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And so you have to make sure that you guard those five people with precision. How do you go about, or how would you recommend individuals reaching out, getting those five people? It goes back to the mentorship, right? Goes back to a little bit about your belief idea there to help them along the way. And I think this might be an insightful aspect. And if we're intruding on your book too far you let me know ah, that's great but... help me write it right here <laughs> all right so,
1: yeah i mean i think that it's absolutely you know how do you how do you self select into those people because there's a lot of people like oh i think i'd love to have someone who's gone about done something now you know sometimes they may not be close and you may not be able to reel them in as a top 5 but like when you think about for me immediately when I think about who I want, right? I want winners. I want winners that find a way. This is my like bailiwick, right? I mean, I, I set a standard of values around me based on this show, which is winners, when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. Those people that are solution-driven, that don't take no for an answer, don't like losing, and are absolutely willing to do the work, they show out to me immediately in a couple different ways. They use words of affirmation like, hey, I'm going to retire with $4 million in net cash because Rich is helping me. It's not a, oh, I hope to retire with $4 million. No, 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 no I, I'm doing it because I got rich. Like, and, and we got a plan and I'm enacting that plan. And it's already speaking in a term of action that this is, I've just laid my future and I speak my future. So I listen for people who speak their future. I think that's a big deal. I love, I always listen for, I will. If they're, oh, so mm-hmm. someone needs around here to take out the trash. I will do it. Hey, we, we need someone to talk to this client who's really upset. Oh, I will. I will do that. Like there are hard things in this world. And the person who says, I will, I will do the hard things. I'll step up and lead here when no one else wants to. I'll take on this issue and I'll own the responsibility because it's a big idiot, right? They're saying, Hey, I will take the responsibility. Right. And and so I want to be around people like that because they're because they're action, they're 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 doers, and we talk about committed or interested. Are you interested? Or are you committed? Big Choose difference. committed people. And so how do I decipher committed people? It's really easy. You know, when I'm around Rich Shupek, he's committed, and I see it all the time because when I know exactly where he's at at 5:30 in the morning, he's up doing the work. He's committed to the effort and what has to happen, his own health, his wellness, his his family, he's up taking action. I'm interested in losing weight, but I'm never at the gym. I eat horrible foods. I don't choose a diet plan. You know, I'm not taking any action. I know all the things to be in fit and in good fitness and in health. And then if I don't take the actions, I'm just interested in good health. I'm not committed to good health because committed is doing and interested is talking. And so I surround myself with people who are people of action. And if I ever really need one of my five friends to do something for me, I go find the busiest one. Why? Okay. Because the busiest one gets shit done. Right? Like they got so much to do because they know how to get it done. They've yeah. got this doctorate in the GSD, man. They get stuff done. And it's like the busiest person is who you should find, not the person walking around with nothing to do. They're not going to help you. The busiest person is going to find a way and a quick solution to do stuff. And this is why athletes – make a lot of good employees because they understand time management they understand prioritization they understand what's important and what's not important and we need to discern that there's also some losing behaviors that I won't stand for I won't have them around me they're not allowed in our organizations that we team up and coach and help develop they're not part of growco if you're going to have these behaviors we're going to eliminate them and if you can't eliminate them on my own you may eliminate yourself from the opportunity if you're going to show these behaviors and the four major losing behaviors is First, excuses, right? That's a huge losing behavior I can't have around me. People who were always quick with an excuse of why it didn't work out. Maybe worse is number two is blame. You know, it wasn't me. Yep. I would have had 4 million, but it was Rich's fault. You <laughs> know, like, oh, really? Like, You know, we're going to blame somebody who wrote the plan who didn't have any part of the action, right? And so three is they quit when it gets hard. Yeah, I mean, I just being me and quitters, man, we're not, we're not going to get along. And four is people that ignore the data. I call them ostrich, you know, like they stick their head in the sand and ignore what's happening. Like I, I, I played for a guy when I was in junior high and basketball like that. Great guy. Love the guy. Nice super guy. But listen, we're down 28 to four in this junior high basketball game. And he's like, hey, let's keep doing the same thing next half. Like, we're doing great, kids. I appreciate the encouragement. But like, let's not ignore the data. We are getting our butts kicked and this isn't fun. And if we just keep doing the same, we still got more of the same. Right. So they scored another 30 points in the second half and we scored another four. So, you know, not fun. And ignoring the data is is not okay for me. And so, when you think about also the people around you, you know, you got to align yourself values wise about where you're at on, you know, how are they on their physical health and what they think about that. That's important to me, right? And then how they treat people and how we're gonna show up as professionals in this world because we make an impact on a lot of people, and that's a responsibility that we carry. and when I'm working with companies, and I'm not sure exactly how many people, but you say you have 100 people in your organization at Design Financial Group, you got to consider the fact that when Rich Chupik makes a final decision, he's making a decision for 400 people because we all have families of four. And it's deciding, like, if we're going to be able to get a second car, if the kids can go to college, can they go to private school? What will we do without this job? I mean, We're making decisions for a lot of people that it impact. And I think about that a lot, man, as I travel the world speaking, I'm on my own. I'm sitting in New York the other night, having dinner. And I see this nice family come in. They bring their three kids in and a friend of their kids and provide dinner. And there's a guy like Rich Shupik out there or a nice woman who's busted her butt to create an opportunity for this person to have a job that they get to entertain their family and their kids and provide for them because someone took a risk. So man, I got a lot of honor for entrepreneurs and what they do in our society and our environment to create impact and create legacy for people because they give us purpose.
0: Yeah. There's a, I forget when you said it, but it's always stuck with me. Making sure that you look at the data and winners make sure that they're always tracking something. And, you know, if it's not working, they go back in and fix it. What are some key metrics that you focus on yourself that Mm. others can take from and use themselves if they haven't figured out how to create their own yet?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. The data doesn't lie, right? You know, I I see those bumper stickers like, you know, trust God, all else bring data, right? Like, and I love that (laughs) sticker. And it's funny because, you know, in in sports, we always talk about, you know, the video doesn't lie. Right. Statistics don't lie. Right. And so these stats are telling us history. And I don't know if I want to make all decisions based on, you know, a lagging metric, but because we're improving beings, right? We're right. we're doing things better. But I do think you have to have both lagging KPI metrics of history and recognizing that data and what we need to repair. And then we also need to have, you know, looking forward on what are the things we have to do. And so based on some of those metrics, I create a lot of metrics around myself knowing that, hey, if I have 25 discussions with people in our GrowCo co every month, we sign on about three or four clients out of that. You know, and so that's if I don't hit twenty-five, your matrix is
0: twenty-five. Then yeah, there's uh, a twenty-five conversation point. Yeah, there's a
1: twenty-five conversation point. And uh, in the NIL experience, if we talk to you know ten club organizations, we're going to land one of five. You know, and they're they're going to need these this advice for their their kids, and they need a trusted advisor to help them, and they want to invest in those kids, and they're the right organizations and right fits for us. So for me personally, you know, I think my health and wellness is a metric. So I, I look at my weight and my sugar intake and how much water I drink. I love 75 Hard. Andy Frazellus put together just incredible program. Great, kind of crazy podcast, too. He's always a top five guy in podcasting. But yeah, I mean 75 Hard's incredible program of teaching people discipline. And I th- I think this is one of the things from the winners find a way that other people don't get is that athletes are held to metrics and standards from the beginning and they're taught. Discipline, much like the military teaches discipline, like, hey, listen, I can turn you into this cock diesel fighting machine. We're going to follow these steps. And you're like, yeah, I don't like the steps. Yeah, we don't care because <laughs> we matter. know exactly how to do it. And, and there's going to be some real pain of discipline to get you to where we want you to be. And it's going to be acute. It's going to hurt right now. And you got to deal with that discipline. But then you're going to look back and go, holy cow, man, I am a different person. And if you've seen some of these young men and women who go to, you know, boot camp and then come back, you know, you know leave June one boot camp and come back at Christmas, you're like, holy crap, what happened to Maggie May? Cause she went to boot camp and like, she lost 22 pounds. She's felt and fit and yeah. stronger than anything and can run four miles in combat boots in 40 minutes. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is training. And they have confidence now. And by the way, yeah, right? When you get that and you get that, you've embraced the pain exchange and you've embraced that pain of discipline. Oh man, that mirror looks so much better, right? That confidence. When I look at it, like, hey, you can do it. I can do this, and you you start believing it now. Like you're, you're like man, because people are giving you also reasons to believe it, right? Cause, yeah. Because when Maggie May sees her friends from high school over Christmas, I go, "Holy, holy cow, Maggie May, what have you been doing? Like you look great. You are just fit. Like holy smokes." <laughs> and she's like, "Hey, yeah, yeah. I'm glad yeah. you noticed. Thank you. You know, like." And she's like, "You know, and the shoulders are coming up. You know, coming back. Yeah, yeah. walking tall, feeling good." And man, I've watched that in athletes my whole life. Like, I will train you up. I've told them, I'll make you famous. I'll make you famous. Like, you, you want to come in? Listen to what I'll tell you to do. Like, the, the formula for success is, you know, Rich, it's really simple. It's just it not is. easy.
0: It's just it's not easy. easy right? Yep. It's like,
1: oh my gosh, I got to choose to get up 75 hard. I got to choose to get up, do a workout in the morning, inside or outside. And then do another workout in the afternoon, drink a gallon of water, read 10 pages to help me improve, eat well, get enough sleep. I mean, there's some requirements here and you better That's the job itself there. right there. Yeah. Yeah. You got to plan your day and prioritize yeah. of how I take really good care of myself. But at the end of 75 days, it's unbelievable the transformation. You go, well, if I can do that, I can do a lot of stuff. Right. I mean, yeah. that was hard. And it turns out, my job's actually kind of (laughs) easy. Like, like this isn't anything like this. Why am I not kicking the snot out of this thing? In fact, if I approach my job, like I approach the 75 hard thing, I'm going to be the regional manager in two years. That's right. That's right. You are. So once you accept that pain exchange and you become that person, like watch out.
0: All right. So I'm going to open this up a little bit. I mean, we're getting close on time. Yeah. You've done a lot of interviews. You've met a lot of individuals that are inspiring. I mean, if, yep. and if anybody's watching this, go back. This may be one episode, but, you know, go back. You can keep going through them and, and learning stuff. Pick a couple, maybe at least one, you know, of the interviews that you've done where it impacted you and it may have changed the way you ran your business or what you do in your personal life or, you know, a change in your life where you're, the direction was moved because of that moment.
1: Yeah, man. It's so good to be the seat that I get to sit in. Right. Cause man, yeah. I get, you know, guys like you, man, like I get to sponge it up and just learn. And I try like, you know, in part of that, get better every day. I, I want to learn something every day and take a nugget that I can apply and do something. And that's, that's a hard thing to do but it's, it's a lifelong value. So there are a lot, I think like, you know, when I look back at some of the things that really happened, I, you know, I, I think about Alison Hodson, young lady from Edmonton, yeah. Canada, EO'er, And the thing I learned about her that really set her aside for me from a lot of other people. And I learned is like, she learns in the good and the bad. And I was really good at learning on failure, Rich. Man, like when I failed, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna fix this. (laughs) You know, like you know, (laughs) I'm not failing ever again. You know, like I wanted to fix it. I don't like to fail twice the same way. And I may fail again, but I'll fix that too. And but the one thing that she sets her her side, like she extracts and sponges everything out of every experience. So when we talk about Allison, like she has this great gut instinct, right? I don't believe in gut instinct. What she has is she has hundreds of thousands of experiences in her life and she's extracted every element and she's filed it away internally and something happens. She goes, I know exactly what I need to do here. Yeah. I've been to this before and I've seen something like this and I know what's about to happen next. And she's got great insights. And you're just like, I think part of that's a women's intuition. I think they're better at processing and pulling that out. Agree. Yeah. And I think women just do that better. But I learned from her, man, like you got to learn in all, in all environments, both good and bad. Like, why was it good? Why did we win? Why, why are we winning? Because we're really... Mm-hmm. Often good, you know, sports teaches you when you lose, you better figure out a way to win, right? Like you better go back to the video and win. But, you know, I'm amazed at going into organizations and they don't go to the tapes. They don't look back and they don't like, Hey, why didn't you get the RFP? I don't know. Let's, let's write the next one. And I'm like, well. Probably help if you knew why you think of the last one, you know, and they're not very good at that. And then here's this person who just takes it to a whole nother level. The other one was like Scott Spezio, who's been a longtime friend. I coached him with the Angels, hero of game six in the World Series in 02, which, you know, that big one. He was a yep. he was the guy, yeah, and just had a hero moment. And, you know, he was, he just really understood the day to day and the value. And man, this was a guy who had a lot of admiration about his commitment, and dedication every day. And he got lost. You know, he, he lost his way, he lost his family, he lost his kids. He, you know, succumbed to drugs and alcohol and man, he was, he nearly, he nearly killed himself. He nearly eliminated himself from the whole game, right? Like from the whole game. Right. And man, he has an unwavering faith now that I just admire and respect. And man, I I think it's a real part of that drift for people out there who don't have a higher power. It's not about us, right? It's not about you. If we focus too much on me, me, I, I. Um, We're already on the drift, right? And so, you know, I think, you know, I've I've got a rich Chupik and other people, but I hope that I've got the Lord also reaching across, saying, "Ah, "Drifting, Trent, (laughs) come on back." You know, like, and and I think that if we don't have that in our lives, I think that really helped me get back focused and got into a Bible study and and started leading them about every man a warrior and really learning about how to be better dads, fathers, men and men of impact in this world and i think that's part of that moral conditioning if we're not doing yeah. that watch out i agree yeah so but man you know we're almost to our 100th episode there's so many rich i mean that's a whole another <laughs> four shows you know <laughs> like hey it'll be in the book though you know right. so
0: like there you go So if we've kind of touched on the book a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit more about that. You know, when can we expect it? I'm not trying to add pressure to you. I know you said these days, these days, and then that day. So, you know, this is my in way of getting your goals set. And then they happen.
1: Yeah, I don't get to control all of it, but my my <laughs> first draft and completion is done by Thanksgiving. So, you know, typically that's going to be six months to a little bit longer than that after. So, I would expect the book will probably come out like uh, late spring, early summer of 2024, and that's what we're gunning for. And hopefully, there's no strikes, like you know, the film industry just <laughs> you know, like who knows what's going to happen. But in an ideal world, I think we'd be out there, and we're we're looking to have a good speaker tour going, and it should be a lot of fun.
0: Well. Thank you so much. I know that your listeners will see the value in this conversation and especially the episode today and maybe highlighted a few episodes, they could go back and start pulling some of that stuff that you learned and that they can learn from too, because of you. And, yeah. uh, I really, I will tell you right now, I mean, we've, I've always said this, your inspiration of just being positive. When I give you a call, I, I never get off the call. Like, man, I feel for him. I get off the call where I'm energized and, and like, i I need to fix something like I need to go do that right now. So Mm. I just want to personally thank you as a friend and hopefully individuals get that out of you. Also anything closing up, you know, I'm not used to being the host. So you tell us how to wrap this baby up.
1: Yeah. First of all, Fabulous job hosting, Rich. I think you did a Thanks. great job, and you have a you have a real knack for this. Uh, the host is the most, making me feel very good. I'm sweating, man. I don't like I don't yeah. know if I like the seat. <laughs> like, so yeah, I do like this seat too, but it is different from the other side. So for everyone out there, really thankful that I could get in the hot seat today and and to my good friend rich, who who helped put me there and his idea, not mine. So I was really <laughs> excited about a little twist on the show. And so it's cool from a faithful listener. And a good friend who comes in and says, hey, man, I got kind of a cool idea. And like, let's try it. Like, I love this. So, yeah. So for everybody else, thank you for joining us on another episode of Winners Find A Way as we near our 100th episode. So super excited about that. Always Friday, 1230 p.m. Eastern, 930 a.m. Pacific, our leadership at a YouTube channel, LinkedIn Live, Facebook Live. And you can find all of our podcasts on all your major networks of podcasting. So check us out and look for the book. Winners find a way. We're excited about promoting that book next year in 2024. So thank you to my good friend, Rich Shubik, and we'll see you next time on the winner's find a way show. Organizations come to me all the time with challenges of execution and communication with their teams. We help build a system through bloom growth and software that gives them simplification and prioritization. I teach facilitate and coach these organizations to literally double their value. If you're interested in grading your individual and organizational growth, please email me at trent at or click the link below and book a 15 minute call on my calendar.